you've got to have alignment with your sales team. If you think you can go off in a silo or a vacuum and as a marketer and, and execute ABM by yourself without their buy-in, without their support, you're mistaken. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. Today, you'll hear an episode from our Takeover Tuesday series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sanger always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to the Flip Mafal podcast. This is the Tuesday Takeover series. I couldn't be more excited that this idea of takeover has just taken off pretty much. And there have been incredible people who are interviewing even more amazing and incredible people. So it's really been a blessing. And this time I have a good friend of mine, Daniel Rodriguez. He's the VP of marketing as Alice. And he reached out and he wanted to do a series that I feel might be one of the best series you've heard so far. So, Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Sangram, and the ABM community here with Flip My Funnel for having me. Absolutely, dude. All right. So, tell a little bit about yourself and what series you're about to go unleash on this community. Yeah. So, I've been in the marketing tech world myself for a little over six years now. ABM has become an increasingly hot topic and one that I've been personally passionate about as someone working for an enterprise software company, so selling two larger companies. This series, uh, we're calling this All In on ABM, and these are insights from marketing tech leaders. So this is a four-part series and, and really excited, really excited to have everybody hear what these leaders have to talk about. That's awesome, man. So it's a four-part series and today's the first interview. So who are you bringing today? So today we're talking to Lisa Ames. She's the VP of Marketing at Lucidworks. And one of the things that I loved about this interview was that Lisa, I think, has one of the most all-encompassing definitions and also, I think, easiest to digest definitions of ABM that I've ever heard of. I think a lot of times when, you know, here at Alice, when we're talking to people, there's a struggle sometimes to say, I feel like ABM has to be this very specific thing and it's very complicated. And I feel like Lisa makes it really simple and easy for people to, to get started with ABM. That, that is fantastic, man. I feel like people are making ABM more complicated than it is. At the same time, there could not be more encompass, like, you know, thing that brings everybody together than account-based marketing as a strategic flow. So can't wait for it. Let's get into it. All right. My name is Daniel Rodriguez. I'm the head of revenue at Alice and I am your guest host. This is episode, one of the four episodes that I'm going to be guest hosting. Thank you so much to Sangram and the Flip My Funnel community for allowing me to guest host. Today, I'm very excited to have Lisa Ames, who's the VP of marketing at Lucidworks here with me. Welcome, Lisa. Hi, good morning, Daniel. Thank you. So this is great. I've known you for going on nine months, I think now. And as one of the kind of respected thought leaders in the ABM space, I'm very excited that we can have this conversation that you can share with the Flip My Funnel community, some of your knowledge. And the topic here today is going to be about 
just this, the simplest definition of ABM possible. I think people get kind of wrapped around the axle a little bit about, is ABM right for me? Am I the exact fit? Is it my entire strategy? Like, how are we defining ABM? So when you and I were chatting about this, this felt like a really great way of being able to, uh, to educate people and them feeling comfortable about executing their own ABM strategy. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Why don't you just give people a little bit of background so that they're familiar with who you are? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me and thanks to the Flip My Funnel community. So as you said, I'm VP of Marketing at Lucidworks and that's a role I started just a couple of months ago and we are the leader in enterprise search. And prior to that, I spent the last four years at Demandbase as VP of DemandGen and Demandbase squarely in the ABM space. So that's where I really became an expert, I guess you could say, with account-based marketing and started doing ABM, actually the company before that, Castlight Health, where I was in a similar role. Nice. And knowing here that we probably have some fans of Terminus here, here on the Flip My Funnel podcast, we're just going to put it out there and say that we're not going to have any gang symbols, no warring factions. <laughs> uh, we're going we're gonna to try to just make this really- We're actionable. all friends. We're all Everyone's friends. friends. We're all part of the same community here. So that's great. We're all trying to do right by our companies and do really awesome B2B marketing. Excellent. Well, well put. Okay. So let's, let's, let's start with this. So you, so you mentioned that ABM was part of the strategy actually prior to when you were, when you were at Demandbase. Can, can you just kind of talk through a little bit of, of you know, how that how that actually was defined for you? How did you know ABM was the right fit for, for you at that time? Yeah. So, I mean, I think in general, you know, any company, any baby marketer is probably a fit for ABM if you think about it, because we all have limited resources, limited budgets. And when you're in a B2B environment, you pretty much know the accounts that you need to go after. It's not like B2C where you're going after the whole world and millions and millions of people. You have most likely a pretty well-defined ICP, you know, um, ideal customer profile, you know that there are certain accounts that are more like buy from you than others. So why not focus your energy and those limited resources on going after the accounts that are actually going to buy from you? And so at Castlight, we were going after uh, self-insured employers. There's not a ton of those out there. They're all known to us. And so we said, hey, you know, and I don't even think we called it ABM at the time. We just said, hey, there's certain accounts that are probably going to buy for us. So maybe we should be marketing to those. That's interesting because I do because the the term ABM I think maybe has actually in certain ways you know it was like it came after some of the actions that that people that's were so taking. True. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's that's and I, and I think it is you know I think you hinted at this a minute ago. It's a little scary for people. It's, they get wrapped around the axle, and I think they start to get in their own way by overthinking it. And I saw this at Demandbase. You know, visited you know hundreds of customers and prospects over the four years that I was there, and I would very often find accounts that, especially prospects that weren't really sure, is this right for us? Should we do this? And, you know, ABM is it's a big deal and it's a program and are we staffed for that? And oftentimes I would shift the conversation away from ABM and I'd say, okay, yeah, I know ABM is really scary, but you probably have some accounts that you care about more than others, right? And they're like, oh, well, absolutely. And then would it make sense to get, would your sales team like to have leads from those accounts? more than other accounts? Well, sure. Okay, great. Then let's help you market to those accounts. And once you kind of pulled the phrase ABM out of it, they seemed much more open and willing to go forward, which I always found kind of funny. And I see that that's true 
even in my own company, I, I've seen a little bit of that. So I'm fine with that. We can call it anything we want, as long as we're going to shift our thinking and change our behaviors. So then is this the definition? Do you want to just put this out there? The simplest definition of ABM is blank. Yeah, well, I think it's really, you know, aligning with your sales team and agreeing that you're going to take account, an account-based approach, uh, identifying a list of accounts that are most likely to buy from you, and then marketing to them and selling to them as a single team. To me, that's account-based marketing. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's powerful and simple. I, I, I do bump into a lot of companies that have expressed interest in ABM. They want to have more of an account-focused strategy. And then I think one of the first rubber meets the road moments is the account list. Can you just kind of walk through like, is there a magic answer to the question of who is supposed to actually be pulling that together? You know, how do you know it's the right list? When is it done? Can it be modified? Like, because it seems so critical that there is this actual master list. Yes, it is critical because you have to know who you're chasing, who you're going after as a company. But there are various stages or points in, in a maturity model, so to speak, of there's that sort of crawl, walk, run as it relates to your list. And for you know, every company, every B2B salesperson under the sun has a target account list in their head. Whether they have it documented is another story, but they all know who they want to go after. I've never met a salesperson that doesn't. So it's really about, well, you know, how do we get our hands on that? How do we document it? How do we operationalize it and start actioning on it? And so, you know, at the simplest, uh, you know, kind of crawl stage of things, it's really just, you know, getting that list, getting it into Salesforce, marking those accounts. So like, for example, at my company now, you know, we're not, we don't have an ADM strategy. People are open to it. They think it makes sense, but you know, we don't, we don't have a list. And so I just, knowing that was the case, I just said, all right, well, let's start marketing to accounts that are, you know, again, likely to buy from us. So because we don't have, it, you know, it would take me probably some amount of time and effort to go around all the sales reps and say, hey, give me your top 25 accounts, which I know that they have. But that's, you know, a fairly large undertaking, given that I'm a team of two right now. And so, you know, for me, one of my quick wins at, at Lucidworks was to, to say, okay, guys, well, you know, why don't we just, because that, you know, we, we don't have the technology to build our list and we haven't built the list, why don't we build a list and we can start marketing to it through content syndication, for example. So I just, you know, went around to our various sales leaders. I developed an ICP, which was a critical part of the process. And then I said, all right, well, what kind of accounts are we selling to? Well, you know, they're, you know, over 500 million. We have an e-commerce place. So we want, you know, supermarkets and retailers and any vendor that's doing e-commerce online. And so ran a list in Discover.org and validated that list and allowed the sales team to pull certain accounts off the list that they knew they were already engaged with or, you know, we couldn't sell to for whatever reason. That whole effort took about two or three hours. And then I sent that list to the syndication vendor. And now we have leads coming in that are on that, that account list. And so that was just a very, you know, unsophisticated yet powerful way to start marketing account to accounts that our sales team cares about. So I'm struck, this is, this is, there's a beauty to the simplicity of your definition. But one of the things that comes up when I ask people about, you know, pursuing an ABM strategy oftentimes relates to 
average deal sizes or complexity of the sale or the length of the sales cycle. It's striking to me that you've, you've left those things out of this definition. This is a definition that I think would actually make a, a larger pie of companies that would actually be pursuing an ABM strategy. Is that, is that true? And can you kind of, can you comment on, on, on that? Yeah. All the things you said, by the way, are really important. Those are sort of the baseline metrics that as you embark on an ABM strategy, you're going to want to capture your ACV, your funnel velocity, your close rates, as well as your conversion rates all the way through the funnel, because that's where your starting point is. And then once you start doing ABM, you're going to want to be able to to measure the impact on those metrics over time. And I think that's, you know, to have all of that is kind of takes you to just a different level of sophistication. But what I'm encouraging folks to do is, hey, we, yes, we'll get there. And yes, you'll, you'll have a super tight target account list that sales is fully bought in on. You'll mark those accounts in Salesforce. You'll operationalize this. You'll get all your metrics in place. You'll even invest in technology to help with some of these processes. But if all that seems overwhelming, and it does for most companies, there's a place to start today, right now, changing your behavior, making adjustments in the way you approach marketing, that can have an impact on your business. And, you know, a great, uh, you know, I've seen this come to life in my own company. As I mentioned, I did this really quick and dirty creation of a list, syndicated that out. And my sales team is like, wow, yeah, all of these leads are at accounts we can sell to. Yay, that's a win. And of course, we're going to have to see how you know, the impact on opportunity generation is over time. But even out of the gate, a week after launching the program, they're all nodding their heads saying, uh-huh, yep, these are the leads we want. I think that is music to almost every single marketer's ear. Like, <laughs> you know, just being able to have, have uh, the sales team saying, yes, these are, these are leads that we want. That's a win right there, right? I mean, yes, sure. I want to measure the impact on pipeline generation and I want to follow those, those leads all the way through the funnel. But, you know, if you can just start with that, you're going to be a hero almost out of the gate. So we've got, I feel like a good, and I like how you articulated that, a crawl, walk, run approach. It sounds like you're not crawling if you don't have a, an agreed upon list. What is walk? I think walk is sort of what I've been hinting at that, you know, you have a full alignment with the sales team on, you know, taking an account-based approach. You have developed a target account list. And again, there's a lot of ways to skin that cat. You can use no technology, a little bit of technology, or a lot of technology to do it. And all three work just fine. But I will tell you, you know, having been at Demandbase and, and getting pretty sophisticated in, in our account selection process using our solutions, we saw a pretty major impact in our the efficacy of our list, which we measured. But I've also done it very bare bones when I was a cast light. It was literally creating a list of criteria, coming up, you know, creating a, a set of criteria, running a list in Salesforce, showing that that list, the sales team, yep, this account, no, not that account, marking them in Salesforce and voila, that's like no, using no, no technology. So I think as you get more sophisticated, you, the more you leverage technology to develop your list, you are going to get better results. But that doesn't mean you have to start there. You can start with the low tech model that I just described, the way we did it at Castlight, and you're still going to be better off than doing nothing. So from a program perspective, it sounds like you were probably doing things, you know, a much larger team. It's a smaller, you know, smaller team there at Lucidworks. You had a much larger team at Demand Base. It sounds like Castlight, there was, there was maybe some, you got to a better place over time, even if it's not from your own experience. But what have you seen as, as kind of the more advanced 
run phase of saying, hey, we're, we're executing a strategy that has, I'm assuming, certain programs then attached to them that allow somebody to say, we're really in alignment with sales doing ABM for these accounts. Yeah, so I do think it's a strategy and a program or a set of programs. I think it's, a, it's just a, an ethos or a way you think about marketing and how you approach it. So instead of you know, casting that broad net, you know, marketing to anyone and everyone in your addressable market, you're narrowing your focus. You're saying, hey, we're going to you know, put our limited resources and efforts toward accounts that are most likely to buy from us. So I think the run phase is when you know, you're, really, you're, you're all in. You and the sales team are really speaking the same language for the, probably for the first time. <laughs> in a perfect world, you have a singular set of goals. So gone are the conversations about, well, what did marketing generate and what did sales generate? And we're you know, fundamentally kind of against each other. It's really more about what did we as an organization generate for the company in terms of pipeline, in terms of revenue? And we get away from that whole attribution and what did marketing do? What did sales do? Because in my mind, attribution really should only exist so that marketers can make smarter decisions about how to allocate budget, not to tell the world what did sales do versus marketing do. It's not a credit game. So I think when you're, when you're running with ABM, when you're all in, it's, you know, as you talked about, you've, you've established your baseline metrics. You have a clear sense of, you know, your conversion throughout the funnel your ACV, your funnel velocity, your close rates, you have like your before state, you start, you have your list and, and you, you're investing in technology to advertise to the accounts that you care about, to select the accounts and maintain the list over time, to you know, execute programs, and then really just to have a discipline around you know, focusing on accounts. And the whole conversation starts to change, the language changes, and your practices as a marketer change too. Is there any part of the demand generation strategy, if you are then saying we are, quote, doing ABM, are you spending money in ways that will be broader than the target account list that you have? And how should somebody, you know, how do you weigh the difference between things that are maybe more PR focused and maybe they aren't part of the demand gen effort, but they're still part of the building of, of the funnel, you know, the very top of the funnel? How do you, how do you, how do you balance out investment into, into things that, that might not actually be just for those target accounts? Oh, yeah, that's a great point. I think, yes, you're, all, you're always going to be talking to a broader audience on some level. And the reason for that is you want to talk to your addressable market that may not be your buyer today, but could be tomorrow. Mm. So, for example, if you, have, if you know that, you know, well, we only sell to accounts that are, you know, have over $200 million in revenue, does that mean you want to stop? talking forever to accounts that today have 50 million in revenue? Well, no, because those accounts are probably going to have 200 million in revenue in the next couple of years, or who knows, you know, maybe tomorrow. And so you, you do want to have a certain amount of air cover, as you mentioned, Daniel, about PR and other efforts that, that you know, trade shows, you're, you're going to have exposure to a broader set of accounts than, than is your target. So yes, you should continue to have those conversations, you know, get your air cover out there, and then even on the demand gen program side, you can still market to accounts that aren't in your target through your webinar program, for example. You know, if you invite folks to a webinar, should you only invite folks on your target account list? No way. You know, why would you cut yourself off to that potential future opportunity? So if it's not costing you anything, 
great, knock yourself out, you know, spread that net a little bit wider. It's not going to harm you. But my thing and kind of, you know, a true ABMer, so to speak, is going to always encourage you, always going to lean toward, hey, when you've got limited resources and you have a choice to make, then focus your energy and those resources on the accounts most likely to buy, but not at the expense of cutting off the rest of the addressable market. So when you were then so at demand base, for instance, where I guess you, you know you were definitely taking the run approach there, right? I mean, what percentage would you say of your of your headcount was focused on account specific programs versus a broader a broader net approach? I'd say a hundred percent because it was again part of the fabric of how we thought about marketing, yep. and so we always wanted to apply an account based lens to everything we did. Now that doesn't mean that we only marketed to accounts that were on the list. As I mentioned, there are certain programs like webinars, you know, probably the only one I can think of at the moment where, or maybe some field events where we would invite certain accounts and people would come to our events or our ABM Innovation Summit. That was, you know, anyone who wanted to come. So, you know, but, but again, it's just, it's that like that focus on where are we most likely to win and let's focus our energy there. But we still want to market to accounts that, you know, again, are in our addressable market that maybe we're not going to sell to today. But even at demand base, I think about 80% of our business came from the target account list. So that tells you right there that, well, 20% is coming from somewhere else. And it's, again, those accounts that maybe they're just starting to enter your ICP. They weren't before, but now they are. Or maybe it's a, a vertical or an industry that you previously weren't aware of that you could sell successfully to. We saw that with one of our customers, Brightco. Chris Bondis was speaking at one of our events and he said, oh yeah, you know, we hadn't even been thinking about transportation as an industry for us. And then you know, through our investment in demand base, we identified it. They were showing intent and we started selling to them successfully. And we never knew that that was going to be a, a sweet spot for us. Very interesting. That's great. Okay, last question, and then we're going to do something a little bit fun and a little different. <laughs> Might be a first for the for the podcast audience here at uh, at Flip My Funnel. The last question is: What pitfall can marketing leaders avoid in rolling out an ABM strategy? This is going to sound overly simplistic, but I stand by it a thousand percent. You've got to have alignment with your sales team. If you think you can go off in a silo or a vacuum and as a marketer and, and execute ABM by yourself without their buy-in, without their support, you're mistaken. You won't be successful. And so I always encourage folks, if you don't have that piece, it's really the cornerstone of, an, of a successful ABM strategy. You've got to go back, get that alignment before you can move forward. I think that's the biggest thing to avoid is that lack of alignment with the sales team. Would you think it's fair to say then that that alignment needs to happen in constructing the target account list? It does. Okay. It does. I mean, even as the example I gave earlier about, you know, being at LucidWorks, I'm brand new, two months into the job, you know, we don't have a target account list. I went and cre created one for the purposes of doing some syndication programs. And it, it's probably not going to necessarily be the one we hang our hat on or the, the de facto list of, you know, accounts, but it was a place to get started. And there's no way I would have executed that program without getting their buy-in on that list. That you know what as as you're saying that I'm also thinking real time one of the things that we're doing here at Alice because we do have an account based approach as we're then executing this account based approach there are target accounts that we know we want to be going after based on the ICP that's built on the marketing side and then when the rubber meets the road sales has said well wait a second can I swap this one and can we move this account in here 
And in one sample set, we had about a 25% turnover of, of, of an account movement that was both, I think, chaotic in that kind of week of execution, but then also really valuable for sales to, to I think, to kind of you know, dig their own heels in and say, actually, here's what matters to us. And then I right. felt like the result was, was good. I think the learning was maybe we need to be starting there rather than, ra- rather than, you know, but yeah, that's, that's really, that's really great insight. I feel, I feel like I totally agree with my own experiences there too. Well, thank you, Lisa. So here it is. Here's the fun thing we're going to do. We're going to play a guessing game. Okay. Um, this is, this is a little bit, this is kind of inspired by name that tune. And I think there's another, there's another kind of music related one. So we're going to play this game. We'll see how this goes. I have no idea if this is going to be fun for you, engaging for the audience, but I I have a feeling it'll be both. I'm going to sing a little bit of a song and then you are going to sing sing back. You will, you will then sing the answer if you, if you are bold enough to do so. All right. All right, and we're gonna we're gonna go in the classic rock genre, okay? okay. Classic rock genre. I'll give I'll give that hint, okay? And we'll, we're gonna start off. I think this is gonna be a progression. Is there, I think is this, there gonna be any Queen in here? Because I'm obsessed with Queen. So I we I could call an audible and potentially <laughs> put some Queen in here. Yes. Okay, we'll I have maybe for another segment. I can I can I can do that. Okay, here we go. Here, here's the, here's the first one. Okay, you have to you have to finish finish this off here. All right, so it's. Na 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 na. Hey Jude. That is correct. That is correct. That was Hey Jude. Band name. The Beatles. The Beatles. Okay, good. We're just getting warmed up here. That was number one. One out of one out of one here. Okay. Here's 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 the next one. All right. This one's not the chorus. This is gonna be a little harder. Okay. Mama pajama rolled out of bed. Paul Simon. Paul Simon. Don't know the words, but I got the melody. Do you remember the name of the song? Me and Julio down by the schoolyard. Me and Julio down by the schoolyard. <laughs> the the actual line, the next line in there, that was Mama Pajama rolled out of bed and she ran to the police station. But that was the oh. that was the actual next line. And there was there was a there was, was going to be a clue. <laughs> there, there was going to be like a lead-in clue that was going to happen here. But I should I should just call the audible here. So we know now that this is going to be Queen because you're because you're big into Queen. Oh yeah, right? yeah. Okay. All right, if All I right. get this one wrong, I'm really screwed. Okay. So let's let's we'll go with this here. I've paid my dues time after time. <laughs> I've paid my sentence but committed no crime. <laughs> there it is. Keep going. We got it. This is it. And my mistake and my yeah. mistake. There have yeah. been a few. <laughs> yes. What, what is the song? What are we? We are the champions. We are the champions. Congratulations. Oh, and I believe we are actually for deciding to sing on a BE ABM podcast. On a Monday you have, morning. You have a great voice. It's Monday morning. We did this on Spring Ahead. So we're all just getting used to the day here, especially you because you're three hours before me. Thank you so much, Lisa. This was a lot of fun. I hope you had as much fun as I did. I hope the community oh, wow. had fun 
listening. All right. I hope I don't regret this. <laughs> no, you will not regret this. Why don't you just let everybody know where they can where they can follow you? On Twitter at Lisa underscore M underscore Ames. And looking forward to having a conversation with all of you. All right. Thanks again, Lisa. Thank you. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.